takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get onto my show. Howdy folks, welcome to Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. On this episode, I have polymath Julia Axe with me. She's a colleague at uh, LA Opera, who I met, you know, I met through LA Opera. Her parents uh, taught, uh, I don't know if they still teach, or if they, I think they still teach at Cal State Northridge, which is where my wife went to school. So I actually had met her parents before I'd met her. She sings at LA Opera. She's also, um, a, what did she call it on the interview? A silk artist, or you know, when you hang from fabric and spin around and do crazy tricks. She does that at a very high level. She's also uh, a fine actress. So she's a triple threat, kind of in a, in a new L.A. sort of way. Uh, she'll be covering the role of Nicklaus in the uh, upcoming production of Tales of Hoffman at L.A. Opera, one of my favorite shows. I hope you all come out and see it. We just wrapped up uh, Abduction from the Seraglio last night. I had a nice solo in that. It's always, always a thrill to sing under the baton of the great James Conlon. Uh, and it was a great show. It's very, very successful. What else? Oh, I've been working on this new podcast that I'm, I'm doing with a, a friend of mine named Brandon Ogborn. I don't know if you remember him. I had him uh, on the show a few months ago, and we had a really long talk, and I split it up into a bunch of episodes, which were kind of a, a special thing in the middle of the week uh, for about four weeks. And uh, it's a show called Telephone Stories. We've just gotten the artwork, at least the first draft of the art, artwork, and we've gotten some music composed for it and I'll tell you it's a big production compared to what I do with this podcast so I'm getting used to uh, uh, working with a partner which is which is terrific uh, but the the production itself you know with all this interstitial music and and artwork and I think we're going to probably need some production help it's uh, definitely more of an NPR kind of a, a show so I'll keep you posted on that I'm very excited about it um, I've hit kind of a roadblock, though. You know, I don't know if you know this, but I grew up in a haunted house. Now, I don't, um, I don't really believe in ghosts, honestly, as an adult. But I have these really vivid memories of really strange things happening. So I interviewed my mom, who lived in the house for a while. I interviewed my uncle, who lived in the house, f you know, for over a decade, um, or across the pool in the in the carriage house, at least. But they all experienced all sorts of weird things and. Uh, and I've tried and tried to get a hold of the current owners, but they won't respond. I've sent uh, four emails, I've called two phone numbers, and I've sent uh, an actual letter through the mail. No, no answer. So they're either experiencing a bunch of stuff that they don't want to talk about, or the whole thing's made up in my mind. So wish me luck on that. Anyway, Julia is a delightful guest. I have Julia Axe. Uh, and... Uh, you know, I like having friends over. We had a nice conversation. We talked about uh, acting and her acrobatics and uh, singing, of course. And I don't know. I thought it was a great chat. Hope you enjoy it. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you have a nice rest of your week. And here's Julia. All right. Well, thanks for coming over. My pleasure. It's really nice to see you. It's really nice to see you too. You know, we spent time, uh, uh, like concentrated time together occasionally, and then I don't see you for a long time. I know. It's kind of a nature of the biz. I suppose. 
So uh, where should we start? What should we talk about? I don't know. What do you, what do you want to talk about, Omar? What do you... You know, I just... It's I your do. show. Okay, yeah. So there... The thing that really fascinates me about you is is the fact that you're such a polymath, which uh, like a potty you, mouth uh, and a potty mouth. Yes, <laughs> uh, you know you you act, you uh, do this uh, uh, rope business. Aerial. Areolas. Aerial tissue. What is it? Aerial tissue. Tish tissue. They call it aerial silks, but it's not really silk. It's like a different kind of material. So some people get very. Oh really? Testy about okay. calling it silks. Okay, so there's I don't that. care, but I'm just informing you omar they call it aerial tissue yeah or like aerial fabric oh okay okay let's, let's go with fabric okay fine fabric. so you do that you're obviously a terrific mezzo-soprano because you get cast a lot and you're doing and you're have some great exciting things coming can we talk about what you're doing or I think no we, i think we can okay that you're covering niklaus yes. coming up yes and tales of hoffman have you, you've done the role before i've yeah. done the role once but there are like four different versions of the opera that kind of make the rounds throughout the world. And so this is uh, yet another version that Marta Domingo has pulled together from other versions. Okay. Um, so there's some music that I hadn't previously sung, which I am currently working on. Oh, because are they doing uh, like an expanded version of it? Or? Well, there's the version that I did uh, before didn't have... Um, only had one aria for Niklaus, which was kind of this very chirpy couplets aria. But there... That aria is not in this version, and it has been replaced by another aria. And in addition to that, there are two other arias. Oh, okay. So, wow, that's a great. I mean, it's so, a great opportunity. Yeah. No, and they're all gorgeous and fun and different. And it's a great show. It really is. It's one is. of my favorite shows. Is it? Yeah. It's becoming one of mine the more I work on it. Well, the thing that I like about it is it's got uh, all this different. Is it three or four distinct scenes? I can't remember how many. Well, there's three. Three kind of like tableaus tales of right, Hoffman right um, but then you have the scenes that bookend it in the tavern mm -hmm. and then there's also the prologue and the epilogue which bookends those scenes mm -hmm. kind of why do you think it's not performed very often is it just so expensive or what's the deal I think you need to have a really good Hoffman mm -hmm. who which I mean he just kind of yeah, who is it? Do you, I don't Saints remember. Vittorio Grigolo. Oh, I know that fellow. Yes. He's a great, great colleague. A nice guy. I can't wait to meet him and work with him or yeah. be in the room with him. We, we had a guy named Vincent Cole. This is for my mother, who I'm sure is going to listen to this. We were talking about this the other day, and we couldn't remember. What was the name of that guy? Vincent Cole is the answer. He was quite good also, and he, he broke his leg during our production. He really? hobbled around on a cane. What? Oh, so he, he kept going. Yeah, he kept going. Oh my yeah. god! So okay. So what else do you do? Do you paint? Do you draw? Do you N dance? No. Well, I mean, I really. You uh, know, are, here, let me rephrase that. Are you a dancer? I move. I have been instructed to say that I move well. By who, Mike? By. <laughs> By the musical theater world. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> when All I right. go to dance calls, they're like, "Nah, just just tell them you move well." I move well. I put that. I'll put that on my resume. I mean, that even that's yeah. a lie, but I'll put that on there anyway. Um, <laughs> what a resume is for, but for padding. You know. So, what would you say? What order do those skills come in? What would you say your, your primary skill set is? Oof, I would say I would say it goes actor first, singer, dancer, because I feel like actor is kind of a big umbrella. You know what I mean? I feel that's such a... So you consider yourself more of a singing actor rather than an acting singer? I would argue that all opera singers are singing actors. 
God, no. Well, you haven't oh, been to a lot of opera, have you? Like <laughs> <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen plenty of operas where that's not the case. <laughs> well, um, so have I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So tell me about uh, your background. I know that your your mom's Ann Baltz, mm-hmm. runs Opera Works, Cal State Northridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, your dad is uh, David Axe, mm-hmm. cellist. Cellist and conductor. And conductor. Let's not forget that. Uh, for, also at CSUN. Is that right? Is yes. that where he, where he is? Mm-hmm. I know that's where my wife met, uh, met yes, them. Yes, that's right. And uh, so you grew up in a musical family, obviously. Very much so. So, yeah, I'm not one of those people who was like the black sheep and they went off. Yeah. It was kind of, I mean, my parents never really pushed me to it, but it was always there. Did you know that's what you were going to do when you were little? I. What was the first thing you thought you'd be when you were little? I kind of knew I would perform. You did? Uh, in some capacity, I, although now, I mean, thinking about it these days, I think maybe I just didn't want to stop playing pretend and dress up. Okay. And maybe that's like an only child stubborn sort of thing. Sure. Like I will do what I will wear the pretty dresses. Dang it. Yeah. So. And you and your parents got along. You have good relationships. Yeah. So it wasn't like really you great. were rebelling and just no, out of spite fact, or something. No. When I was eight years old, I thought. I went through like a brief rebellious phase and I was, and I was like, what? wait, when you were eight, when I was eight. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well. Uh, and I, and rebelling at that time when I was eight, yeah. I think, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to be a musician. I want to rebel against like the family uh, legacy. Business, and yeah. so I said, I know I'll, I'll be a mechanic. <laughs> that was the most opposite thing of a musician that I could think. Of. Right. Right. Um, obviously that lasted a week yeah. and, uh, no, I'm very, I'm very lucky uh, that I have a family support system that, you know, said, follow your dreams, we'll support you. Thank God you're like kind of talented so yeah. we can kind of openly support you. And Yeah, yeah. So um, did you go to performing arts high school? How did that start? No, I didn't. I, what I, was it? You went to, was it Oakwood or? I went to Oakwood, Oakwood for uh-huh. high school, which uh-huh. is, for those of you that don't know, uh, a hippie private school in in uh, Studio City. Yeah. Um, which they, I mean, they. it was just a very, more than anything, it was a really good academic, like critical, taught me to cri- think critically. It was academically rigorous more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to uh, Cal State Northridge, which was a state university. I kind of had a, like a, a mixture of public and private schools mm-hmm. throughout my upbringing, which I am also very thankful for. I think mm-hmm. it, it provided me with a lot of skills and life experiences with different kinds of people from different kinds of backgrounds. Um, that is particularly important if you are a performer. Yeah, I agree. Did you uh, consider any other colleges besides Northridge or was it already locked in? Oh, your no. Folks... I applied to six very big music schools oh, you did? for music and got into some of them mm-hmm. and got scholarships to some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Why not acting? You said acting was your primary. Um, I thought that if I thought the training was a little more involved and specific to be a singer mm-hmm. you know I would have had all my voice lessons paid for um, I mean that would have been included in the tuition mm-hmm. and it would be it's just a much more specific love- thing that needs training I see okay yeah whereas acting I, I felt like I could take acting classes elsewhere um, and and supplement that training on my own time. Was there a, a good performance uh, venue or, or um, at Oakwood? I mean, did you have lots of performing opportunities? 
No, not it's not a school for it, that. Really, it's not. It wasn't when I went there. Really, I mean, yeah. we had a theater department. And I did musicals and stuff. We did mm-hmm. um, did Into the Woods there, and I did um, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, okay. which is a great show. Yeah, I live my life that way. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I know, Omar. I know. <laughs> uh, but uh, it wasn't a big art school. Okay, that wasn't like the focus of it. Okay. Yeah. And what was it like going to college with your folks? It was actually great. It was? Because my dad and I get along great. My mom my mom only taught very, very part-time. Right. Um, and I didn't take her class. And I didn't take any of my dad's classes, which is really a shame because I think my dad is a really good teacher. Yeah. When you're old enough, you know, it's not like you have that weird high school thing. Yeah. He yeah. makes really corny uh, dad jokes. Oh, good. Uh, apparently in That's his That's why classes, we get along. Of course. <laughs> you have great dad jokes. <laughs> But you know, when I would when I would need help, um, I lived at home throughout my college years, obviously, since it was so close. Yeah. And um, yeah, why didn't you go away to a, to a, another school? I. Why did you choose? Why did you end up choosing Northridge? I'll tell you. Um, at every school that I applied to, I asked them. I said, "How much performing experience on stage am I going to get as an undergrad?" Mm-hmm. And most, if not all, of them said. Not very much. I mean, mm-hmm. you'll be in the chorus. We do a scenes program. Um, and another concern of mine was what's the acting training and the movement training like in your vocal performance? Mm-hmm. And it was like little to none. Um, things are changing mm-hmm. now, which is great. But uh, the Cal State system has this thing called a special major, which they don't really like to tell people that they do. But it's basically a create your own major. If you uh, have, Across the board, Cal State system. As far as I know. Wow. And it's for people with professional aspirations. I'm trying to remember the language. Like professional aspirations, mm-hmm. the training for which could not be achieved through any other existing combination of majors or minors hmm. in the Cal State system. So I put together what I ended up calling a contemporary opera major. Okay. What? Yeah, tell me about that. I don't know. So I worked with the music department, the theater department, and the kinesiology department, Mm -hmm. which was where the dance was, Mm -hmm. and kind of put together, uh, kind of cherry-picked classes with the department heads that they felt were necessary, and then kind of let other ones, you know, I only took certain classes from each major, Mm -hmm. and created my own major that was very, for the purpose of being a better opera singer. So I did the operas, I did dance shows, and I did musicals, and I did a play. I think I did nine roles in those various disciplines in four years or ten in four years wow and i still studied with my own private voice teacher which was very important to me too um who are you studying with then uh now uh then and now is it the same teacher no uh-huh. i was studying with joan zajac mm-hmm. then lovely feisty woman sure um who really laid the foundation for me and now i'm studying with lynn helding who just arrived at USC on okay. faculty. Big fan. Did you end up going to USC or no? Mm-mm. You just studied just with Cal her State privately? Uh, you know, much to my father's dismay, I did not go to grad school. Well, I didn't either. Um, good. See? Well, you, you know, the, right. the you thing, yeah, right. I mean, the thing about what we do, I, I don't know, there are different schools of thought, and I know that people will disagree with it, uh, and some will agree, but I've, I've always equated singing, singing is a skill. Right. It's a it's a skill that you actually have to do. It's like I've always said, it's like building kitchen cabinets. You know, if you want to learn how to how to be a good carpenter, you have to build cabinets. And then once you know how to build cabinets, 
that's then you do it. That's how you know how to right. do it. Yeah. Uh, reading books and lecturing about it, and I, I'm to some extent teaching does help. Obviously, um, all, every all of my friends that te- do you teach at all. Do you have any students? Uh, I teach very very part time uh-huh. at a high school, but okay. I don't have like a voice studio or anything. Because I know that that yeah, you can learn a lot as a singer, but I think as a singer you have to go out and sing. Yeah. And once you know how to do it, no amount of paperwork is going to help you sing better. You have to show up with the goods. And but more than that, you have to know how to sing well under pressure with the nerves making you want to vomit. That's where drugs come in. In (laughs) Oh, that's what I didn't do. This could have expedited my whole career. (laughs) No, I start. I mean, I've had really bad performance anxiety issues throughout my career. And when my son was born four years ago, I, I. I'd always had this weird like palpitation with my heart, even when I was a, an athlete, when I was a tennis player, and and uh, I finally it finally got to the point that it took me. I had to go to the hospital and have my heart restarted. Holy crap! And I discovered that I had this heart defect, and one of the medications that I, t- I take two, it's not a big deal, and one of them is a beta blocker, and I started taking that for my heart, and noticed that suddenly performing and auditioning was a totally new ball game. Really? I mean, night and day. It's unbelievable. It, wow. it actually has changed the way I think about both of those things. Wow. It was a, it was a huge thing in my life. So yeah, I, I mean, do you have, do you suffer from nerves at all? I mean, I get- You get nervous, I get but nervous. it's not debilitating. It's slowly getting less debilitating. Oh, okay, good. I, I used to get the shaky knees real bad yes. in auditions, so I would always wear dresses that went over my knees. Sure. So you don't see the yeah, yeah. desperate yeah, vibrating yeah, yeah, on my yeah, lower yeah. body. Right. What? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm getting less nervous. I used to I, break out in sweats. Do you sweat? Oh, like, yeah. I'd get real oh, sweaty. Yeah. I'd, I'd sweat right through a suit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Am I, and that, well, you guys get to wear more layers. Yeah. For us, we're like, a nice jersey knit dress. I'm like, sure. okay, only dark colors because my armpits are going to be like... <laughs> the freaking red sea <laughs> by the time i go in there yeah. i'm like okay well i can't lift my arms up high during yeah. my auditions it was awful yeah. now i just wear pants so you're feeling better now i'm feeling better now i i think it's a maturity thing and an experience thing because you don't have any tricks it's just experience um i i don't part of it is acknowledging it yes right same when I'm nervous, me. I'm like, okay. I'm nervous. I'm really nervous. Why am I nervous? But then, it, because then it starts my own conversation in my head about how to get through it, other than why am I nervous? Oh my God, I'm nervous. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh or, my God. Or try to me. stop being nervous is the worst. Right. Like, I've got to, I got to get, it, get it together, man. Yeah. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. The thing, the first step before I fell into this beta blocker thing was for me to recognize it and then to tell myself, um, I, boy, I am really nervous. My knees are shaking and I'm sweating. Uh, but I know that I can perform very well Yeah, feeling like this because yeah. I've done it a lot. Yeah. So I, I stopped trying to get rid of the nerves. Yeah. I acknowledge them and then I just push them aside Yeah. and say, I can still do this. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's two things. One is that I remind myself how much I love it and that I'm just going into a room to do exactly what I love doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and owning where I am at that moment, mm-hmm. which is like, okay, maybe today I'm feeling a little tongue tension or, you know, I could have, you know, there are some singers here who are maybe more experienced or who sound better than me, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I have something unique to offer and I love it. So I'm just going to go do that. Have you ever not loved it? Um, 
No. No. You've never felt like, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. No. And I think I think that's because uh, my interests are all performing, but very varied. Mm-hmm. Because if I, I don't think I could do traditional opera all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could do theater all the time. I don't think I could just do aerial all the time. I don't think I could just do dance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, if I, I like having that, that broad spectrum and it keeps me very stimulated and interested in mm-hmm. everything that I'm doing because there's always a new challenge. It's not just like, oh my God, the next five years are devoted to my German diction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I feel that way too. I think that's, that's also part of this podcast is I, I always like to, to do new things. Uh, even at my advanced age, I feel like, uh, you're in your prime, I, Maybe. Your I mean, prime. maybe, maybe. I, I definitely feel like um, I, I've always had a short attention span. Uh, music is by far the, the thing I've stuck with the, the longest. My wife is the second longest thing I've stuck with. <laughs> and uh, it's um, it's hard for me to stay engaged. And I, I envy that. I wish yeah. I had more skills like you do. I, I think I'd probably tear just about any piece of fabric you throw up there. No, I think I think you should come try it. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I really encourage you. Oh, that you. would just be terrible. Singing while hanging upside down is really a cool experience. Tell me about how you got into Because I, I know I kind of stalk you on Facebook. And uh, I noticed that you just kind of got into that recently. I did. I, I hate gyms. Okay. Um, I needed to work exercise, out. Uh-huh. Exercise. Exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess kind of in my fashion, I was looking for something that checked off three boxes instead of one. Okay. So, um, I had known people who had done it and I just happened to have met a woman who had a friend who was an opera singer who also did Ariel. And I said, well, that, she sounds like an interesting person Mm -hmm. who might help bridge the gap. And so I studied with her, took lessons from her for a while, kind of inconsistently. Mm Mm-hmm. And and I really liked it. I think it's a beautiful artistic art form. Sure. And it kicks my ass. Yeah. Um, physically. Right. Uh, you don't have any fear of heights? I don't. And you never have. So that wasn't an obstacle. I haven't. And I, but I will tell you, when you're 30 feet in the air yeah. and your arms are exhausted, yeah. you somehow muster a little more strength so you don't plummet to your death. Yeah. It's kind of a cool thing. Oh, my God. And there's some eroticism attached to it, too, isn't there? Is it, is it kind of an erotic art in some way? It can be. There's okay. a lot of there's a lot of crossover between kind of pole dancing and um, some of the moves in pole dancing and some of the moves in fabrics from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. But it's really more of a circus. I mean, you are kind of like, you know, spread-eagling at, at points, but... Okay. I mean, maybe it's erotic. Some, to some people. You, I don't know. That's don't know. gross. I'm sure for other people. Okay. <laughs> but, sure. But it's, I mean, it's beautiful. And, and I think it lends itself very well to the the female body doing it. Although mm-hmm. we have guys in our class who really kill it up wow. there. Yeah. Okay. And uh, what's the show like? I mean, are you singing? Are you only performing spins and twirls? And um, I... There, I'm basically in a. I'm just in a class. So oh, okay. But you did a performance. I, I saw did do a performance yeah. um, that was with one of the theater companies that I'm involved with, called Fugitive Kind Theater. Look them up. Fugitivekind.org. Okay. Fugitive there. Fugitivekind.org. Fugitivekind.org. Okay, good. Um, and they had just introduced two choreographers into the company. Jeff Morris and Deba, mm-hmm. Jessica Debatista, who are two fabulous just pure artists love it so much wonderful dancers wonderful choreographers Mm -hmm. and they wanted to add a dance component to the theater company Mm -hmm. so they put on a dance show that was purely this kind of we ended up calling it a dance poem 
Okay. Uh, because very abstract kind of narrative, non-narrative thing. Was it thematic at all? Was there a through line? Or there anything? was kind of a through mm-hmm. line in that it was called My Sister Was the First to Fly. Okay. And so Diva and I were, the semi-narrative was that we're sisters and she is unhappy with our home life in this kind of very constricted uh, home life with our mother. And so after some questionable abuse she she leaves Mm. and i who had been kind of going along with everything up until that point finally step out of our home and like go on this journey uh, kind of a la alice in wonderland to go find her and so i encounter like creatures like we had a pole dancer who was this kind of spider wolf Mm -hmm. thing and Mm -hmm. and we had choreography and and there was acting and improvisation and then the whole finale was that i did this um this aerial routine right which was really cool because right. it kind of looked like i was flying off the ground like to go there's a whole wing theme anyway, right and it was very... all conceptual there wasn't any narration or no. anything like that totally conceptual uh, is there a way of monetizing this this thing how does that work is <laughs> that even a consider i mean is that a consideration for no you? no totally you can there's a lot of you can get hired a lot for corporate events corporate events like to hire aerialists oh, a lot okay. um i mean if i really wanted to get serious you could go into like you know, I mean, the, top, the tippy top could go to Cirque du Soleil and like, sure. be an aerialist in Vegas, you know. Is that ever a consideration for you when you pursue your interests, making a living? Uh, it doesn't seem to have been. <laughs> well, I mean, you're really busy, though. You're one of the busiest people I, I, well, I know. Well, something very important that I learned last year, two years ago, was that it's while, while I was doing a lot of stuff and mm-hmm. I was still very unsatisfied in, in a lot way? of ways. What do you mean? Um, I felt like I was running on a treadmill and I was like, I'm working all the time. And everybody around me was like, oh my God, you're so busy. You're working all the time. And then I realized it's really easy to stay busy and it's really difficult to move ahead um, because you have to go outside your comfort zone mm-hmm. into kind of uncharted territory and challenge yourself as an artist and challenge yourself as a person mm-hmm. if you want to get better and if you want to move up. So were you looking for something or were you just assuming that being busy was the right thing to do? Well, I like practicing my craft. Okay. Kind of like what we talked about. I mean, it felt good. I felt like I was learning everything, something from every experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but at a certain point, it did hit me and I and Mike, my boyfriend, my man friend, boyfriend sounds so... Your gentleman so lover. My gentleman, <laughs> the man who I live with. Yes. Um, my roommate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh, that's when you get married. That's when we... <laughs> Amy's your roommate. Well, you, guys no, are roommates? you know, with the perks, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> My friend with benefits. Yes. A very serious friend. Uh-huh. Uh, he had a big influence on me uh, in like being okay with admitting that you want to make money as an artist, mm-hmm. which kind of hadn't really been, I didn't even realize it wasn't, it was, that was like a weird thing to say out loud because I kind of surrounded myself with are, are artists with artists, co- artists yes. with quotation mm-hmm. marks around that mm-hmm. um, where it's kind of somewhat glamorous or romanticized to kind of be a struggling artist and mm-hmm. I think when you are a struggling artist it's not very romantic it's well it's easy to kind of romanticize it for yourself uh, I see because sure. it has been romanticized in mm-hmm. literature and literature culture and sure. opera mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, but then I you know when I really kind of sat down and confronted myself and said, okay, what do I want in, of my life? Then I said, okay, I need to make a change. Because yeah. Do you think ahead that way? I, I, uh, 
I don't know if it's a, a an asset or a liability, but I have trouble planning really for anything. Like my mom will ask me about uh, doing something in three weeks. And I'm like, mom, I don't even know what's happening <laughs> tomorrow. So I feel like, you know, I, I should get a a one-year, a five-year, a 10-year plan together. But I never have done that. Is that something that that you do? I, It's something that my mother teaches and is very oh, is. helpful for a lot of people. Okay. She teaches like a one-year, three-year, five-year plan, mm-hmm. come up with a goal, list of goals mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I, I don't know. It's, it is difficult. It's also difficult. Uh, I mean, it's difficult to schedule things just a week ahead of time now, mm-hmm. which I, you just said you mm-hmm. experienced too. And I've lost friends over that mm-hmm. who didn't really understand that it wasn't about them. I was like, this is just kind of the nature of what I'm pursuing. Mm-hmm. And um, I find that when with, uh, I don't know, it seems like a good idea the more I think about it. Because when when I become less busy, everything seems kind of on the on the on the on the wind you know like I, I become very busy and it's great and then when i'm not busy i don't have a plan to get myself out of that it's like i just have to kind of wait around and i see what you're saying because i don't have a three-year plan or one-year plan well but i don't know if that's a, necessarily a plan thing mm-hmm. as much as a. yeah how do you like, deal with with downtime are you good with that i don't have downtime <laughs> yeah, that's great. i rarely have downtime yeah um i'm trying to get better at accepting downtime okay mike and i have started watching top chef how's that going i mean it's great you know? yeah okay. i mean but it's, it's difficult to because he's a writer and director mm-hmm. and so we both kind of live in that the world yeah and so we i don't know if i should be he's probably like not crazy that crazy about that i'm admitting this about in, top chef yeah Why yeah we that? watch pawn stars top chef okay i cry at say yes to the dress okay i'm just saying reality shows there i'm owning it well and, you uh, must love our president i mean geez no 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 let's, <laughs> let's slow down <laughs> but at the end of the day to unwind i can't watch or it's difficult for me to watch a show with a narrative yeah me too yeah yeah my wife loves all of the like uh the one with the dragons and all the boobs uh game of thrones the game she loves that yeah. she likes the the uh one with the the guy with the the big pipe and the tweed hat what's that guy's name sherlock holmes what are you talking? oh yeah and you know He's she loves nice. all the all the ones that you have to kind of follow i i i'm i always turn the office on well i, can, you I know. mean to be fair game of thrones is like so hard to follow <laughs> well i just don't have the I don't know. I, I, I think TV in general doesn't appeal to me that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like to have a little a little snippet. I'm trying to fix that too. Like I, I have kind of a short attention span. So right. You mentioned that. I don't yeah. know if you remember. Yeah, I, I don't. You got so distracted. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm trying to fix that. Maybe I'll get into Game of Thrones. I know there's lots of nudity, so that would help. Yeah, swords and titties. Man. Yeah, exactly. It's all about it. <laughs> um, and what about TV? Have you done a lot of TV? I know that you've been working in film. I have done, yes, I I have been on TV once. Oh, what were you doing? With my three lines on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yeah, I remember you uh, promoting that. I was a waitress. That was like three years ago? That, no. Two years ago? One year ago. Oh, well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You really did your research for this. (laughs) Uh, What was your line? uh, Let's see, I had three. It was season three, episode 13. Yes. It was the mid-season finale. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh... And I brought, there were two characters that were leaving the show. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm not spoiling that for anybody because like you should have been caught up by then. Okay, yeah. Um, and it was their goodbye scene. Mm-hmm. And so all the other members of their team 
were sending them shots at a bar okay. anonymously. So I, so I was the waitress who kept bringing them mm-hmm. shots of vodka or tequila or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Um, and I don't know. I have an. I guess I have an anecdote about that. You do. Which is that I misread the script the night before. What do you mean? Well, you mean the intention or the actual words? No, no, no. Like what was happening in the scene? I've done that. Yeah. I thought. <laughs> have you? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I. I. There. It. It was worded in such. A, I won't go into super, super detail, but it was worded in such a way that I thought my part was over at a certain point, um, but there was directions later in the scene that weren't spe- didn't say specifically that my character did something but were referring to my character mm-hmm. doing something mm-hmm. and so i was gone on set i was i was that's probably one of the times i was the most nervous in my entire life like i did not stop sweating and shaking for five hours really <laughs> yeah because <clears throat> excuse me because not it, it was like a massively emotional scene okay for the entire cast and the entire main cast was in the scene. And I had, I had watched some of the episodes before and seen some other kind of smaller co-star roles. And they were usually like a two-person scene. And so I showed, I read the this script. This was the whole ensemble. This was everyone. Right. Everyone. And plus 50, 50 extras. Oh, my God. Okay. And I was the only co-star there. So it was like them and me. And this was my first TV gig. And there was this director who was very old Hollywood and, yeah. you know, just not not super nurturing, yeah. one would say. Yeah. And so we did a rehearsal in the bar. And so we're going through the whole scene and, you know, they're, they're starting to tear up and it's really intense. And and he oh and the director calls for the waitress. And I'm just standing there because I was like, I thought my part was over. And he calls for me again. And I just, I mean. I, What'd you do? I was, and, then, and then I just ran through. I was like, oh. And That's I, me. I was like, oh, again, oh, all those directions were for me to go do more stuff. So, so I was trying to remember. So it was basically all the directions for me to bring them the other six shots. Okay. And they were timed very specifically. And so I was trying to desperately picture the script in, in my head and yeah. be like, okay, when when do, when do I bring the next one? When do I bring the next one? So how many time, How many takes do you get for that? Um. I mean, that's tough when you have a whole room full of people, right? Yeah. Like you gotta, you gotta do it. You gotta do it, especially with my tiny role, because it was all about these two characters who were yeah. having this like giant breakup scene with the show. And I mean, it was yeah. I Those was small to... things are hard. That I find that in the opera too. You know, I've, I haven't done that many principal roles. I would say maybe ten. I've sung maybe ten operatic principal roles. And of course, they're physically challenging. They last all night, and you're tired at the end. But you always have a chance to to recoup like if something terrible happens unless it's at the literally in the last scene you're probably going to be okay people are going to forget yeah. and you have a bunch of more chances to make up yeah, for it redeem yourself man these bit roles when you go out and you deliver a page of dialogue or a page of music or three pages of music and that's it that's nerve-wracking those are the worst the worst the worst <laughs> because you and, and you're also like waiting for it so you build it, you build yeah. yourself up to it, yeah. And then you have to have this spurt of energy, yes. And, and it has to be right, and it has to be right, yeah. And then you leave, and then you have to come down. And from then this, that's it. And that's then it. you've got three more hours to go. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hate them. When I made my debut at LA, it was that way. I was 30, 40 feet in the air on a platform way upstage, and Conlon was like seventy feet away. The very first night, he didn't even know where I was on stage for my cue like he, he kind of scanned the skate it was yeah it was terrible are you afraid of heights 
Uh, no, I don't think so. Nice. No, I mean, come to Ariel. The I, well, the older I get, though, the more I have. I do have more like little fears that come up. So I, maybe I don't know if it's my age or if it's having kids. Mm. But uh, the issue of mortality becomes more absolutely more weighing. Absolutely, I mean my my folks got divorced when I was four, and my grandfather died when I was fourteen. So those are like the two. So if, if my marriage can last another year, I will have beaten that one. <laughs> So that's good. And uh, then I, I like just have to... Short, yeah. Short-term goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe there you go. I There's gotta, your one-year plan. That's it. Don't... Thank you, Ann Don't Baltz. get to... <laughs> uh, and then I've got another, you know, 10 years to stay alive. And then, okay, so once he's 14, then great. I can start, you know, doing heroin again. Great. I don't know. There's That's your three-year plan. So no, what, no, that's your 10-year yeah, plan. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Do heroin after 10 years. Great. Um it's a draft. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so out of the things that you do, do you find that you have a, a favorite? Like, would you want to do more television now that you've done that before? Would you want to, are you doing more aerial work? I know that you've got this great gig coming up with LA Opera. Uh, um, or do you it, like them all? <clears throat> I do really like them all. Mm -hmm. And they all feed into one another. Mm -hmm. um, I've had a lot of people throughout my adolescence and even into my womanhood mm. um thank you I'm sorry uh that have always asked okay but you can't do them all right so which one are you gonna do right and again maybe this is my stubborn i really don't like people telling me that i can't do something mm -hmm. um and and to be but to be quite honest the more i do them all the more completely intertwined they are mm -hmm. um to make me better at all of them mm -hmm. for example um i work with the independent shakespeare company who do the griffith park free shakespeare festival okay are you still with them um i i am in a in a in a ancillary way less yeah mm -hmm. in a more auxiliary that's the word ancillary? i don't know okay i think you were right both of those yeah i'll look it up i'll google it great yeah uh, in that way. Yeah. But I trained with Melissa Chalzma. She, she taught me everything I knew about performing Shakespeare. And if you think about it, Shakespeare is very similar. The, the skills that, that you employ to perform Shakespeare well are very similar to the skills you employ to, to perform opera well. Mm -hmm. Because you have this kind of, you have the iambic pentameter, mm -hmm. which is this very structured rhythmic thing that you have to abide by. Mm -hmm. Although some people would say you don't, but sure. there's all these different thoughts. I think you should preserve the poetry and the rhythm of the language. What if you were, had been doing it for 25 years? What if, what if? Yeah, you know, I mean, like, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe, uh, I don't know what I was really saying. Like, you know, Picasso could was a was a masterful painter and then after a while he decided to chop everything up and follow brock and Fair do enough. cubism Fair. i'm not yeah. i'm by no means a purist yeah in this okay form. yeah and i and i don't and i don't mean that it all needs to be performed like this yeah, with my use, shakespeare voice do you use an accent when you i know you don't no 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 in fact i am of the i am personally of the uh philosophy mm -hmm. that while you need to preserve while it's important to observe the, the poetic structure of the poet mm -hmm. of the poetry and the poetic structure mm -hmm. you can speak it in a very colloquial way mm -hmm. um to make it accessible to the crowd that you're talking to oh that's interesting for example you know how happy some or other some can be 
the beginning line of Helena's monologue. Mm -hmm. How happy some or other some can be. You can say it like that. Or how happy some or other some can be. It still preserves the da dun da dun da dun da dun da da but one just sounds a little more. That was perhaps not the best example. No, that's really interesting. But you can just say it. And, well, getting back to the other point, it's it. you're also bound by, you're also bound by this, you know, heightened language, which opera also is very mm-hmm. heightened art form. And mm-hmm. you also, you have rhetorical, um, you have rhetorical things in the text, you know, alliterations, literal like consonants that you use when you speak the poetry to help tell the story. Mm-hmm. And what I found was when I, studying, studying Shakespeare improved my German diction like a bunch because I understood how to act on the sounds of the language that I was given mm-hmm. and to act within that kind of heightened structure. Mm-hmm. So in that way, those things are connected. And, and I would say going, the other, going another way, opera has really informed my acting because, especially in the emotional scenes, because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, when, when we get emotional or if you see an actor get emotional or even you, opera is like very high drama mm-hmm. stuff. If you want to cry, for example, your, your throat closes up, your body tenses up. Right. Um, and, then you, and then the voice goes, bye-bye. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of method acting in, in opera. No, 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 yeah. no. Uh, yeah. But something that I'm working on now is actually releasing because you have to kind of be a, or I'm playing with becoming a more relaxed sort of lightning rod mm-hmm. for the emotion to rack my body. And you have to be relaxed to let that happen to be able to sing. And similarly, in straight acting dramatic scenes, mm-hmm. that's also the best thing to do i find is to not actually go oh my gosh i'm getting emotional and tense up my body and everything closes up but to actually relax and just let it flow through you rather than wondering what your face looks like and trying to sculpt everything right i mean that 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 is a legitimate and opposite form of acting that the brits are great at yeah in particular yeah but just in in my own process i'm doesn't work it doesn't work and i and i'm finding that yeah some of the philosophies in operatic acting mm-hmm. actually translate and really inform the straight acting stuff. Huh. So I'm working on it. That's what it. I'm working on with that now. Okay. And there's a bunch of other ways that they're all intertwined that I can't even imagine pulling them apart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. I think that was a very long answer. No, I love very it. Very short question. No, it was it was a perfect answer. I could really geek out about this for a long time if Yeah, I'd love to. I don't know <laughs> enough about acting. I don't know. I mean, uh my uh, stepbrother went to NYU and studied acting. That's about as much I've uh, about as much I know. But you're a pretty good performer yourself. I mean, you. I. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't have I don't have any particular techniques. I. Um, I've always let the the text or, and or the music inform my performance. But that to me just seems so. Um, it's just common sense. I, I don't. I don't know if there's any mastery to that, really. Well, it's not always common sense, though. I mean, you have to be. You're like a smart person, Omar. <laughs> uh, I mean, do you think that I? I know a lot of really dumb singers. Not a lot. No, I don't know a lot of really dumb singers. But I have is that, met. Is that, is I have backpedaling. No, here? I have met some really dumb singers, and it doesn't seem to hurt their performing. So I don't know if it's a matter of sheer intelligence. I don't know. Mm, yes, I think some people are very instinctual. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, and have that, but I do think there is something to 
stage craft, which is being able to analyze and understand and then understand how to communicate to an audience hmm. what you're trying to communicate to bring them along on the journey that you're taking them on. Mm -hmm. I, you have to be aware of certain things. Yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily my skill set. I appreciate the compliment and I do feel comfortable as an actor. I I, I always have. I think because I've, I grew up kind of uh, as a ham bone. I've always been, uh, you know, I've always ached for you? attention. Yeah, yeah. No. So, you know, so I know how to do that. Uh, I think really my biggest skill is reading people and not necessarily creating, but um, using other people's energy and using other people's uh, way of communicating. Yeah. And to fit myself into that in a way where I can kind of steer it a little bit. That, hence, that, uh, yeah. Hence your successful podcast. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Yeah. So where do you see yourself in 10 years? Let's talk about this 10-year oh, plan. I want to make I your mom I want to make your mom proud here. No. Where do you think this is going? I'm a huge disappointment to her. Where does this go? <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Sure. I ran into your parents, actually, at a performance uh, that Hila gave at uh, oh. Boston Court a little uh, oh, yes. while ago. Yeah, yes, we yes, sat right yes. behind them. And uh, I mentioned to her that I knew you and that I was one of your colleagues and an acquaintance. And she lit up like a firecracker. So I think she's quite proud of you. I, yeah, they're, and they tell me. They seem very happy they're, with, they're with very, what's happening. Very so where, where is all this leading? Where would you like it to go? What's the, what's the dream gig for you? What's the dream life? Well, I don't know. You don't? And uh, up until January of this year, mm -hmm. I thought I had to know. Oh, okay. Um, and then I decided that it was okay that I didn't really know, but that the overarching principle that guides my decision making and and performing opportunities that I pursue mm -hmm. are that um, it needs to be of a very high caliber, mm -hmm. higher than I am right now, mm -hmm. and uh, with some of the best people in the business. So if I were to answer your question, it would be mingling and being colleagues with the best at what they do, whatever that is. Yeah, I think I do the same thing. So that's as specific as I can get. Although I will say I am very interested in directing at some point. Mm -hmm. um, I've thrown, tossed around the idea of starting a company. Um, uh, an opera company or sta uh, play, a stage I company? don't know. Stage play. What do you call that? Uh, probably a play. A theater company? A theater company. That's it. No, it, pro it would probably be a cross, some sort of cross-disciplinary company that... Um, I mean, the the ultimate dream is to have a company of super performers that sure. that can do everything. Sure. And and um, what about teaching? I must say, I really I really do enjoy teaching. I I, I said I teach part time at the high school. These mm -hmm. high school kids who which high school? Uh, Birmingham Community Charter High School. Where is that? It's a public charter school mm -hmm. in Reseda, okay. California. Um, and when I say part time, like very very part time. Mm -hmm. And I, I teach a dance class every other week, and I do acting coaching with them for their musicals. And I've been working with my boss since I was 19. Wow. I taught with him at a middle school. He kind of brings me in. I'm closer to the kids in age. Um, I'm pretty good with them. Mm -hmm. And then I moved with him to the high school that we teach at do, now. Do you find yourself learning new tricks as a teacher? Oh, yeah. And yeah. I learned a lot from him. I did, knew nothing about classroom management. Uh, when I started, mm -hmm. and it was painfully <laughs> obvious to everyone involved. Uh -huh. um, and so I've learned a lot from him on how to provide enough structure for them, especially at that age, mm -hmm. from like even eighth to 
12th grade mm-hmm. uh, without without stifling them. Like you can be firm and be and say, you know, you didn't follow the rules and obviously there are consequences. And they actually respond really well to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll get pissy in the moment, but ultimately they really appreciate it because they don't get a lot of structure elsewhere in their lives. Sure. And um, these are kids who don't have a lot of art in their life otherwise. Okay. Uh, not a performing arts school at all. Mm-hmm. And those are my favorite people to teach. Yeah. They're ju- I just love them so much. Yeah. And I made a promise to myself to always, no matter how busy I got, to always make sure I had some time to keep going and teaching them. Yeah. Just love them. Future of the country. There you go. And art is kind of necessary. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, what, what was it? Winston Churchill, somebody said uh, during the war, suggested that they cut uh, arts funding and he said why well then why are we why are we fighting anyway then yeah that's good yeah what that's are we fun. fighting for yeah. yeah i agree but more but there's also you know there's also other applications then all these kids aren't gonna grow up and no of course of course go into but it's theater. important oh yeah. yeah i mean i've seen kids i've had students who were completely shut off socially at the beginning of the semester mm-hmm and like would not open their mouth to sing mm-hmm. when I was teaching a singing class. And, you know, I'd say, okay, just uh, just make a sound. Any sound is like a group singing class. Mm-hmm. Just open your mouth, any sound. And, you know, just, mm-mm, mm-mm. just close your mouth. All right, everybody, do we care if she makes an ugly sound? No, we don't care, Miss Julia. And I'm like, see, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the semester, I don't take full credit for this, but by the end of the semester, she was fighting to get on stage to sing her solo song. Couldn't carry a tune to save her life. Sure. But it didn't matter. That's right. You know? That's right. Much more outgoing, had a group of friends. And I'm like, this is going to stay with her for the rest of her life. I totally and it's because agree. because of a freaking singing class in a public school. You know what you I mean? You got to teach kids that there's more to life than just trying to make money. Yep. There That's is. It. And, but also empowering them to know that they can affect the world around them. That's right. In a positive way, which the arts does. There you have it. Julia, it has been a pleasure having you on my show. Oh, Thanks for coming all the way over. I know it's a long trek. I don't mind at all. Thanks. Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. That was Julia Axe. Man, I wish I had my shit together when I was her age. You know, she's really, she seems to be really uh, moving forward quickly in her career. And she's got a a great boyfriend who's a a fabulous filmmaker. And, uh, you know, they're, they're the next power couple, man, right here in Los Angeles. And uh, I always like to to meet with people who are, who are young and, and ambitious and successful, and she's got it all. So I wish you the best of luck, Julia. I really appreciate you coming by and being on the show. I hope you all enjoyed the conversation. I want to thank Greg Geiger for helping me with my theme song. Still loving it, buddy. LAClassical.com. Mike Nielsen for lending me his awesome Shure microphone. Couldn't do it without you, Mike. Really appreciate it. And listen, Sure of America, if you're listening, send me some microphones. Do it now. I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thanks for tuning in. This is my favorite thing to do every week. And uh, until next time. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius. Get on to my show.